give his only son, not to run a race, but for our sins to die. Um, this morning, the scripture we'll look at um, is found in Luke 15. Um, the story is of the prodigal son, which we typically focus on the sons in the story. Um, but this morning, we'll look at um, the father and his responses. Um, Luke 15, we'll start at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered all his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here am I starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed and the fattened calf because he, has, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, his, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In verse 12, um, the father did not withhold provisions for his children, even when he could have been insulted and may have suspected um, that the, inher the inheritance would be squandered. Um, a father's love focuses on relationship and not on control, and we see that um, in the father's response. The younger son asks for his in inheritance early, basically says, all I want out of you, dad, is, is your money. I just want to take it and go. And this could have been very insulting 
to the Father. Um, but instead, the Father um, chooses not to cling to those possessions, to um, his property, and he allows, he's more invested in the relationship, so he gives to his son. He's more, he desires a genuine relationship out of free will. In the same way we read in Philippians 2, uh, one of my favorite passages that Jesus did not cling to his rights, um, but God sent him into the world, taking the lowest position, even lower than a slave, to be a servant in human form. And in the same way, the father in this story has a very loose grip on his possessions. And what was even reserved to be a, really a blessing after his death. Um, I recently read a blog post on our idea of, of what blessing really is, in which the author, Scott Gay Miller, writes, God is not a behavioral psychologist. In other words, he doesn't resort to simply conditioning us with punishments and rewards. He's much bigger than that and has much of a, a grander um, idea. The author made it clear in the blog that God himself is the blessing, not what we in America often generalize blessing to be, which is our, our job and our family, um, our house, which are all good things, but they're not our ultimate blessing. A father's love focuses on relationship, not control. Then in verse 20, um, we read that even while the son was still a long way off, the father ran with compassion to meet him. I would think that this would mean that the father is maybe often looking for him, kind of expecting for him to, um, to return, or at least has that hope he's expecting the best. Because if he sees him from still a long way off, you wouldn't think that someone in the very far distance would catch your eye unless you're kind of looking for them. So a father's love looks for the best in his children and meets them with compassion. So you can picture the scene. The father in the story um, is carrying on with business as usual around his estate, and so he's, he's occasionally glancing up into the distance, um, remembering his youngest son's request for the inheritance. And the father is hoping, expecting that, that one day he'll see his son again. And then there in the distance he sees him, and even in his, his old age and against all cultural standards, he's probably wearing a robe, so you can imagine he hikes it up and starts running, running towards his son. It would probably be quite the scene in, in their society, um, but he doesn't care. He's going after his, his son that has been sort of lost in his family. He can't contain himself. He's, that's his son. And he starts embracing his boy once again. A father's love looks for the best in his children and meets them with compassion. In verses 22 to 24, again the father shows his great compassion. And, and now we get a glimpse of grace because he wastes no time in celebrating the return of his son. He throws a party for him. He doesn't say, I told you so, or I know I knew this would happen, um, or shun his son for the mistake. He welco welcomes him with, with open arms, hugs, and, and a feast. He doesn't disown his son, but rather showers him 
with more blessings, almost as royalty, with the finest robes and, and sandals. This is extravagant grace. A father's love is full of grace. And this here is where the, the rubber really meets the road. When every ounce of our flesh, as we've seen with the older brother, would rather want to make the son pay for his mistakes. It's there um, where the rubber meets the road and the heartache, even the heartache that he caused his father, the father decides to choose grace. Because of Christ's atonement, not only have our sins been taken, but we've been given something, just like the father in this story gives to his son. In one of his messages on grace, uh, Louis Giglio says, two things happened at the cross. Jesus took our sins upon him, and it doesn't end there. God gave us his righteousness, meaning we are right with God. We read this in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And again in Romans 3, uh, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously, sorry, God graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past time. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. So God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Our Father's love is full of grace. I invite the worship team back up. In verse 28, um, we read that after learning of his older son's anger and how the older son isolated himself from the others, he didn't want to go into the party. Um, the father begs the older son to join in the celebration. And so by doing this, he challenges his older son to also forgive and try to move past his resentment and jealousy. The father stays centered in the present moment and focuses more on the internal implications of, of the fact that the son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. He reminds his older son that he has always been with him and everything that he has belongs to him as well. This doesn't mean that there was not natural consequences that may have happened for the younger son's actions, um, but for that re reuniting moment, um, the father chose grace and rejoiced that his 
prodigal son has returned. So a father's love is steadfast and rejoices when the lost are found. Please stand. Please stand for the closing song. We have this story of grace that we need to share and um, send not only around the world but in our own neighborhoods. <laughs>